Amen. In your Bibles tonight, Revelation chapter 2, begin reading verse 18. From verses 18 to the end of the chapter, we have God's record and message uh, to the church at Thyatira. And it starts with some things that are positive and good, a description of God. And then it concludes with what God has said they're doing wrong and concludes with some hope. And I hope you'll find some help from this passage of Scripture. The Bible says in Revelation 2, beginning verse 18, Under the angel of the church in Thyatira write, These things saith the Son of God, who hath his eyes like unto a, fire, a flame of fire, and his feet are like fine brass. I know thy works, and charity, and service, and faith, and thy patience, and thy works, and the last to be more than the first. Notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee. Because thou sufferest that woman, Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophetess, to teach and to seduce my servants to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. And I gave her space to repent of her fornication, and she repented not. Behold, I will cast her into a bed, and then that commit adultery with her into great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds." And I will kill her children with death. And all the churches shall know that I am he which searcheth the reins and hearts. And I will give unto every one of you according to your works. But unto you I say, and unto the rest in Thyatira, as many as have not this doctrine, and which have not known the depths of Satan, as they speak, I will put upon you none other burden. But that which ye have already, hold fast till I come. And he that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end, to him will I give power over nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron. As the vessels of a potter shall they be broken to shivers, even as I received of my Father. And I will give him the morning star. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. And I want you to look with me in verse number 24. I'm sorry, verse number 20. The Bible says, Notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee, because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel, which called herself a prophetess, to teach and to seduce my servants, to commit fornication, and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. So the Lord says, I've got a problem with you, church at Thyatira. Thou sufferest, you allow, you tolerate something that I deem intolerable. He says you've become patient with and allowed Jezebel to teach some things and emphasize things and allow things in my church that I am strongly opposed to. They were tolerating the intolerable. We live in a moment in history when being tolerant is something that is extremely praised and considered a very good thing. Now, I'll have you know something. No one here should act outside of the love of Christ. We should be godly. We should be compassionate, merciful, gracious, spirit-filled Christians. But God has called his people to stand up for truth and not to be tolerant of things that God deems intolerable. The church in Thyatira 
They had some good things going for them, but they were the church that tolerated what God deemed intolerable. And there's a lot to be learned from this passage of Scripture and some things to apply to our own lives and apply to folks that live in the moment in which we live, that find themselves connected and tied to churches and denominations that have become, in, become tolerant of what God considers intolerable. The last verse of this passage of Scripture says this, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith in the churches. And I want to challenge you tonight, if you're here in present or you're listening online or you catch this message sometime in the future, hear what God has to say about churches that tolerate what God deems intolerable. There's a message for us all. It's a message that has hope. It's a message that has uh, promise, but it's a message that must be heard and responded to by all of God's people. The church at Thyatira tolerating what God considers intolerable. Let's consider this number one. We've talked about this already, but I want to reemphasize it just a moment. Number one, they're good. They're good. If you look with me in verse 19, the church at Thyatira, here's what the Lord says about the church at Thyatira. He says, I know thy works. That's a good word, works. It's good to work for the glory of God. I know thy works and charity. Now, something fascinating about the church of Thyatira, they were workers. They were also loving people. Now, I'll just tell you, loving and being a loving person is important, and it's one of the evidences that you are a child of God, but it's not the only evidence that you're a child of God. Love, they were loving people. They were full of charity. The Bible continues and says service. That they were the kind of folks who were willing to roll their sleeves and even get their hands dirty to help people. I like a benevolent spirit and God does too. He expects us to be helpful, servants, serving folks. And the church at Thyatira, they were that kind of people. They worked. He says, I know your works, your charity. They were loving, your service and faith. Now, this is a fascinating point that is, we mentioned about the church of Thyatira. They were people of faith. They had convictions. They believed that there was a God. They believed that, that God had a purpose for them. They had convictions. They had faith. They were believers and to a certain extent. Not all of them saved, but they were believers. They had faith and thy patience. Not only had they been doing it, but they were patient. The, the word patience here is that long-suffering steadfastness that just keeps on keeping on. Even if it's not easy, they were, they were the kind of people who were doing and serving and working. He says, I know you. I know your works, charity, service, faith, patience. And look what he says again. And thy works. Hadn't he already said that? Yes. And to double down on the works, he says, he says, I know thy works and the last part of verse 19 and the last to be more than the first. He says, I know your works. Not only do I know your works, but I know your works and your works and your works and your works and your works. He says, he says, I know that your works are greater than your works. He says, and the Lord uses a play on words here and uses an emphasis. He says, you guys are workers, workers, workers. Now, I want to talk to you for just a minute about working for God. Do you know that all saved people should work for God? 
We really should. We should find ourselves busy serving the Lord. But let me tell you something. Works is no substitute for righteousness. Works is no substitute for doctrinal truth. Works is no substitute for living a sinful life. Works has never saved one person, period. And I'll just tell you, as a pastor leading this church, I am cautious and very careful that I don't overemphasize you working in the service of the Lord because I've watched people who felt like the only way they could ever please God is to work, 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 and they neglect their family working for God. They neglect their life, they, they neglect their own spirituality working for God. And I've watched folks lose their homes and families working in the church. Busyness is no substitute and is not a replacement for what God wants you to be as his own child. And let me just tell you something. If the moment comes when your health is not suitable for you to do works, I don't want you and God doesn't want you to sit at the house sick, miserable, feeling like an absolute failure because you can't work. You don't have to work to please God. We work because we love God. And because we have an opportunity. But when we can't, you have to know that God loves me anyway. A lot of folks find that their, their peace and their satisfaction in being a Christian is how much work they can do. Let me tell you something. You should learn to trust and rest in the love of God when you can't do nothing. Because the longer I serve the Lord, the more I realize Cody Sturgill is easily replaced. Easily. You think about it just a moment. Something happens to me. This week, my wife gets nervous when I talk like this because she's like, you know, sure as the world something will happen to you this week. Don't talk like that. She's not here, so I'm going to talk like that. Uh, if something happened to me this week, I hope some folks are kind of sad about it, but I'm just going to tell you what's going to happen. On Sunday morning, somebody's going to preach in the early service. Somebody's going to teach Sunday school. Somebody's going to preach in a second service. And y'all probably will have a Sunday night service and somebody will preach there too. And you know what? That's good. God doesn't need me. But it's by his grace and it's my great privilege that I get to serve him in this role at this moment. I'm thankful for that. We put so much stock on our works, 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 works. And that's what God was saying here. I know your works at the end of the statement. He says, I know your works. And the, the, the last is more than the first. Your works. We put so much emphasis on works. When we need to remember that God loves me without works, saved me without works, and when I do get a privilege and opportunity to work for him, it doesn't make him love me more or love me less. It's just my privilege that I get to serve him. Serve him for the right reason. But what happened at the church at Thyatira? They had become such in such a mindset of I've got to do, do, be, do, serve, serve, serve. They'd gotten such a mindset of that that they had dismissed sound doctrine. They had dismissed uh, they had dismissed the, 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 the righteousness of God, the prohibitions of God. They had dismissed what God's law had taught them. They had dismissed so many of the valuable things in God's word in replacing it with works. And let me tell you what happens. Before you know it, in a church 
like Thyatira, when the preacher stands up and talks about the gospel, you know what the church immediately thinks? Oh, that's the good news that Jesus loves me. And they should think that to a certain extent, but I want you to hear me out. They think in their minds, oh, the gospel, that's the good news that Jesus loves all people. And we really should love people, all people. We should accept all people. We should welcome all sin. We should welcome all lifestyles. We should welcome all this, and we should love. That's the gospel. It's the good news. Jesus, and he does love everybody, but Jesus died on the cross to save us from our sin. And Jesus wants to work in your heart and your life and the lives of the population of this world with the gospel message to bring us to a place where we acknowledge that we are wrong and we're sinners and Jesus died on the cross for our sins and doesn't want us to live in the bondage of sin anymore. And so we come to the, book, the church at Thyatira and they had, they had worked, 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 served, faith. The gospel to them meant... Let's go build someone a house that burnt down, and that's good and fine, but that's not really the gospel. The bottom line of the gospel is that men are sinners. And without Jesus, they're going to go to hell. And the gospel good news is that Jesus Christ came to earth, the sinless Son of God, died on the cross, paid the price for our sins, defeated death, hell, and the grave when he rose from the dead, ascended into heaven and prepared a place for us in heaven, in eternity with him. The good news is you're a sinner and Jesus died on the cross for your sins and you need to repent of your sin and put your trust in Christ and Christ alone. That, my friend, is the gospel. The gospel's not building houses and feeding hungry. And I'm for those things. But the gospel initially and primarily is the preaching of the truth of the word of God that you're a sinner and Jesus is a savior and he loves you and will forgive you of your sin and help you live righteously. You see, they're good. They had good, but their good left out something very important. Their good left out the truth of God's word and an emphasis on sin. Number one, they're good. Number two, they're sin. Number two, there's sin. Here's what the Bible says in verse 20. Notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee. Because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophetess, to teach and to seduce my servants, to commit fornication, and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. Now the Lord says, I want to have something against you. Here's what you've done. In all of your working, working, good deeds, good-hearted, big hearts, loving Service to the community. He says, you've allowed church at Thyatira. You've allowed, you've suffered, you've tolerated, you've allowed this woman Jezebel that calls herself a prophetess to teach and seduce my service. You've let this person come in and teach. Now, this was, in this instance, was a, a woman who called herself a prophetess but it doesn't have to be a woman that calls herself a prophetess. It could be a man that calls himself a whatever. The emphasis is not specifically on the woman. The emphasis was on the person that had the great influence of teaching the people. This woman Jezebel had come in and was teaching the people. She was teaching false logic, false rhetoric, false doctrine. 
And God says that is a big problem. Thou sufferest that woman Jezebel with calls herself a prophetess to teach. So she was giving them misinformation. She was giving them wrong truth. Now I want you to understand something. There are churches all over this fruited plain and denominations who've allowed a Jezebel, whether it's a man or a woman or an institution, normally it's a great group of people, they've allowed the Jezebels to come in and teach and seduce and influence them to such a degree that it's, uh, it's ridiculous. You watch in our United States of America, Great colleges that were founded as places to teach preachers to preach the gospel truth, the Bible truth. And their founders, you read their founding documents and you think, my lands, I'm sitting in a Baptist church listening to the preacher preach. But the byproduct and the, what's come about over these years is multitudes and uh, decades of Jezebels have taught false doctrine and now you have folks that don't know and can't discern the truth and God says they're seeing you allow that to happen I'm thankful that we protect the pulpit of our church and we vet and carefully choose the Sunday school teachers in our church and I'll just tell you right now without apology if error, false doctrine some Jezebel form shows up in our church. Your pastor is going to unashamedly and fearlessly cut it off at its roots. We can't do that. We're not going to put up with it. And I'm just going to tell you this too. If I realize that I'm teaching something that's wrong, and I understand that could be a possibility, I'm going to cut me off at the roots too, and I'm going to repent and get right with God and do it God's way. God's word settles everything. And this church at Thyatira is just like so many churches and denominations in this world that have allowed some false teaching to rule. Now, I want you to see some things that's fascinating about this Jezebel. So here's what he said. Thou have allowed, you've suffered this woman Jezebel, which calls herself a prophetess, to teach and to seduce my servants. The first thing she was doing, she was teaching. She was teaching false doctrine. She was teaching things that weren't right, uh, rhetoric that wasn't accurate. She was teaching false doctrine. She was teaching and seducing. That, that next phrase is important. You know what she was doing? She was seducing them. If you seduce somebody, that means that you encourage them to do something that is fleshly, sensual, and wrong. She was seducing them. She encouraged them, you know, with things like this. If it makes you happy, how could it be wrong? <laughs> I can tell you a thousand ways how it can be wrong. The Bible says that there's pleasure in sin for a season. But she began to seduce them. And she began to work in this church at Thyatira. And the teacher was also seducing and encouraging people. Look, God made you that way. And you should embrace it. Let me just tell you something. God made most men perverse and perverted sexually. Most men. And God has declared that there's a righteous way to fulfill sexual desire. And it is not 
outside of the marriage between a man and a woman. But the Jezebel, she's a seductress and she encourages people, look, if it feels good, if it satisfies your flesh, if it puts a smile on your face for a moment, then do it, do it, do it. God is loving. He'll accept that. And God said, no, it's sin. He said, church at Thyatira, you've been working and loving and serving and working and loving and serving, working, 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 but you've allowed this type of thing that's against me and my word to stand, and I can't stand it. It won't work. You've allowed this Jezebel to teach, to seduce. Look what else it says in that verse. To seduce my servants, to commit fornication, and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. Now, I want to make something very plain. He calls it out. She is seducing God's servants to commit fornication. That word fornication, you know what the Greek word fornication is? Pornia. Is that a familiar word to you? A familiar root? She was encouraging the church to embrace sexual sin as okay and from God and I'm pretty sure she said hunky-dory. It's okay. It's okay. And God says it's not okay. It's not okay. It's not okay. And let me just let you know something. Sexual sin is at the core of almost all heresy. And God has detailed and laid things out for his people in regards to what is appropriate for his people. And he's done it not because he hates us or wants to prevent us from having fun. He's done it because he loves us and he loves our society. And I'm just going to tell you something. A nation that has strong families with men and women as husband and wives raising children in the same home is a society that's strong. And it should be the emphasis of God's people. This is the second of the first four churches that sexual perversion and sin has been an issue that's caused great grief. And this Jezebel, I could spend all night, I can't. I'm going to move forward. This teacher, this false teacher was emphasizing this in the church. Now you think for just a moment, and I'm not picking and I'm not trying to be mean towards anybody. But you think for just a moment about the state of churches in our world at this moment that are doing everything and the highest of the highest in their ranks are declaring that we're going to tolerate sexual perversion and sexual sin. And you tell me that God hasn't said anything about it. I'd encourage you to read Romans chapter number 1. I'd encourage you to read Genesis chapter number 1 where the Bible says that in the beginning created he male and female. In Genesis chapter number 2, talking of Adam and Eve, for this reason should a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his own wife. It's not because 
We're mean-spirited bigots. It's not because God is a cosmic killjoy. It's because God loves people and God knows what's best for people and God's people should obey God. In the church at Thyatira, they were working, 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 serving and even loving. But God says, I've got something against you. It's your sin. You've let Jezebel, this teacher, you've let this emphasis roll in among my people. And it's going to cause great grief. It continues. Look what it says in verse number 21. I gave her space to repent of her fornication. I love that about the Lord. You know what God did? God said to that wicked Jezebel, you need to repent. You're wrong. I'm thankful that God reaches out to all people, gives an opportunity to repent. Jezebel had a chance to repent, but she wouldn't. And here's what he says in verse 22. Behold, I will cast her into a bed. That little phrase, a bed, is a sick bed. He said, I'm going to make her sick. You know what happens when you disobey God? Do you know what happens when you live a sexually perverse life? The byproduct so many times is absolute physical sickness. I'll cast her into a bed. And then that commit adultery with her into great tribulation. Now, let me just tell you something. If you don't do things God's way, you're going to find out that life is rich with tribulation and trouble. You defy the vow that you made to your husband. You defy the vow that you made to your wife. You live a sexually perverse life. And let me just tell you something. You can bank on it. The byproduct is going to be great tribulation. But look at the next phrase, except. I'm just telling you, there's still hope. And God is too. He says, it's going to be great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds. Look, even this moment, the Lord is calling and asking people to turn from their sinfulness and turn to Him, except they repent. The Bible says in verse 23, it goes deeper. Not only is it going to hurt her, her followers, but the Bible says in verse 23, I will kill her children with death. Let me just tell you something. Sexual perversion harms children in an inconceivable way. I will kill her children with death, and all the churches shall know that I am he which searches the reins and hearts What's he say? He says, all the churches are going to know that I am the one that searches the reins and hearts. The word reins, we've talked about this before. Reins are kidneys. <laughs> he says, I'm searching the inner being of a man. I'm searching his reins, his hearts, his hearts, and I will give unto every one of you according to your works. You may even be covering it up on the outside, but God says, I know what's going on in the shadows. I know what's going on in the dark. I know what's going on, and I'm searching the innermost part of who you are, and I'm searching, and I know the truth, and I will deal with sin righteously. And his message is repent. Their sin. Finally, number three, their future. Their future. The Bible says in verse 24, but unto you I say. He's speaking to the preacher, the pastor of the church of Thyatira. He says, unto you I say, and unto the rest in Thyatira, and 
to the other folks in Thyatira. He said, in this church of works, 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 in this church of love, he says, in this group of folks who've, who, who there's great masses of them that's fallen head over heels for this teaching of Jezebel. He says, among those people, there are folks who genuinely are born again, saved, know the Lord, the rest of you guys at Thyatira, unto you preacher, and the rest of you at Thyatira. He says, here's my message. He says, as many as have not this doctrine and which have not known the depths of Satan as they speak, I will put upon you none other burden. He says, look, you've been in this church, you've been in this situation, but you know it's wrong. You know it's not right. He says, let me tell you something. You're in the church at Thyatira and you've been worried about what Jezebel's been saying because it doesn't match up with what the Bible says. You've been worried about what the higher ups in your denomination's been teaching but you've been, and you've been upset and even sick at your stomach thinking that surely and there's, how in the world could a church, how in the world could Christians accept something like this? In your heart, you've said, oh, I can't stand this but you've just stayed put. He says, listen, church, the rest of you, I want you to know something. I'm not going to put any other burden on you. I want you to do something about it. I want you to move toward the Lord. I don't want you to accept this anymore. I want you to stand up against what's wrong. So I don't put any other burden on you. Here's your chance to repent. Here's your chance to turn. Here's your chance to do the right thing. He says in verse 25, but that which ye have already hold fast till I come. He says, look, don't give up. You keep trusting the Lord. You keep living for Jesus. Now, I want, you to, I want to talk to you. I'm talking to a group of people that almost everybody here is faithful attenders of the Choi Baptist Church. But I want you to know that if you're listening or you're, you're tuning in or listening later and you've found yourself in a church that has allowed false teaching, has moved away from the Word of God, and it's very clear to you I'm not telling you to hate on anybody, but I am telling you that God has called you to come out. God has called you not to sit back and keep putting your stamp of approval and thumbs up on heresy and false doctrine and sexual perversion. God's called you to turn to Him. And God says, look, there's a future for the, you folks that have found yourself in the church at Thyatira. The future is hold fast till I come. Stand up for the truth. Stand up for what's right. Live for Jesus. I think in situations where there's churches that are ranked with doctrinal error and wickedness like the church at Thyatira, I think God will call certain people to stay the course and preach the word and do what's right and lead the way. I think there's other folks that God will call to leave and find a Bible preaching, Bible believing church. You obey the Lord, but you do what God's called you to do and stop saying yes to the wickedness that's coming down the pike from the Jezebel that's leading that denomination. Stand up for what's right and for truth. Somebody's got to do it. And the Lord says, now look, you at Thyatira, stand up for the truth. Be bold. He says, I'll give you some hope. Verse 26, he that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations. He says, I want you to know something. Church, the remainders, the believers in the church at Thyatira, if you'll do what's right and stand up for God and for Jesus and his glory, he says, I'm going to give you power. 
I'm going to give you power. I'm going to give you opportunity. Verse 27, he shall rule them with a rod of iron as the vessels of a, of a, of the, of a potter. Shall they be broken to shivers even as I received of my father. He says, I want you to know, folks, at Thyatira, if you'll do the right thing, I'm going to give you victory over the folks that are standing in the way. I'm going to give you the power to have victory over the heresy and the heretics and the ridicule and the trouble. He says, I'm going to give you power. I'm going to give you victory. Verse 28. He says, I will give him the morning star. This is the most important part. He says, church at Thyatira, those of you that remain, those of you that know that this teaching of Jezebel is wrong, that you're not going to stand for it or, and let it uh, allow it any longer. You're going to do what's right. You're going to leave the church. You're going to stand up for what's right, whatever God calls you to do. I want to remind you of something. God is going to give you the spirit and power and the person of Jesus Christ to accomplish his work. I heard a testimony this week of a man, and it thrilled my soul. I met him at the Gideon banquet this past week. And this man, God's called him to go into a church and preach. Now, this is contrary to what some people think is right and good, but I'm all for it. This guy has gone into a church that for many, many, many years, there's not been a faithful preacher to preach the word of God. As a matter of fact, for many, many years, this church has had a Jezebel-style emphasis. And God has led him, a Bible-believing, Bible-preaching, saved man, to go in and preach the Word of God in this church. You know what happened last week? He's been preaching the Word. He's been preaching through Romans. Let me just tell you something. A church that's not had the word of God preached in it for a while, if you get a few people that are willing to, and want to hear what God's word says and they start preaching God, you know what happens when God's word gets, is preached? People start getting saved. He's telling me, he's giving me testimony. He says, I've just been preaching through the book of Romans. Speaking the truth in love. Teaching the word. He said, there's several children in this church and he said six children last week have been listening attentively to the Word of God. He said the Holy Spirit of God has convicted them of their sin. And they've come to him and want to be saved. Six children got saved. You know what we're going to do next week? I said, no, what are you going to do? He says as a church, we've planned a meal and some great things on Sunday afternoon. You know what we're going to do? We're going to take those kids to the river and they want to be baptized scripturally. Amen. And you know what I want to do? I want to jump out of my skin because my burden and my prayer is that God will save people that attend churches that have been wrecked and reek of Jezebel. And God can do it and God's word can do it. And there's folks getting saved because there's some people that have heard the message of like this passage of scripture that said, hey, listen. Those of you that are left in this church at Thyatira where Jezebel's made such a big fat mess, you hold fast till I come and I'm going to give you power and I'm going to give you victory and I'm going to give you Jesus and you're going to see me do something fabulous. Amen. You know what a lot of saved people in heretical churches want to say in their hearts? They want to say, well, 
It's the time in which we live. Well, it's 2023. You know how it is. And young people these days, they don't want. Let me remind you of something. When did God send his word to the church at Thyatira? It was 2,000 years ago. 2,000 years ago, the church at Thyatira was going through the same things that churches in the year 2023 in the United States of America is going through. And let me tell you what happened. There were some people in the church at Thyatira and other churches who said, you know what, we're not going to put up with Jezebel. We're going to trust God. We're going to trust God's word. We're going to believe God's word. We're going to preach God's word. We're going to stand up for truth. And you know what God did? God moved in the hearts of people. And because folks were faithful through the centuries, 2,000 years later, when I was just a little boy I started attending Chihuahua Baptist Church I fell in love with the preaching of God's word and the emphasis of the fact that God's word could be trusted and God changed my life and God's blessed my family because of it hallelujah don't tell me it's the day we live in stand up for God and his word and truth and live for Jesus God can still save God needs churches that love his word and love people and know that it's Jesus that changes lives. And God needs fathers who boldly stand up for truth and say no to sin. Don't excuse the moment because of the times in which we live. 2,000 years ago, they were in the same shape. But praise be to God, somebody stood up for the glory of God and preached the truth and lived for God. And God's proved himself time and time again. There's hope. If you're here, keep living for truth. Stand up for Jesus. Don't excuse sin. And if you're listening and you found yourself part of the Thyatira church, stand up for Jesus. Let God save souls. Amen. Depart from that mess. Preach the truth in, in the midst of that mess. But don't tolerate it. Because I want you to know something. God has a problem when we tolerate what he calls intolerable. Don't forget it. That's the church of Thyatira. The Lord help us. Father, we love you.